It's Yom Kippur. It's time for repentance. It's time for, as we say in Judaism, teshuva. There's just one problem with that, and it's a big one. Although pretty much everyone here wants to do teshuva to make up for their past mistakes, some of the time, I hate to say we are doing it wrong. It's hard to hear and it's hard for me to say, but it's true. The reason is mostly that as a Jewish community, we've often done a poor job conveying exactly what tasks are required by the process of teshuva. And it is a process. So the bad news is that, yes, you might be doing teshuva wrong. But the good news is that I'm going to tell you how to do it right. It boils down to four tasks. Reflect, repent, repair, and rebuild. Reflect meaning to reflect on what you did to transgress. Repent meaning to apologize and correct the behavior. Repair meaning to fix the damage and pay for the damage done. Rebuild meaning to build a permanently changed self and world Reflect, repent, repair, and rebuild. There's more good news. If you were raised by anybody like my parents, then you probably already know what you're supposed to do, even though you may not realize it's part of teshuva. Yes, most of the tasks of teshuva can be boiled down to homespun schoolyard wisdom that you've known all your life. For example, when you got in trouble, when you're very young, a parent or a teacher might have said to you, go and sit in the corner and think about what you did. Happened to me, certainly. That's the first task of teshuva, reflect. Before you can begin to do anything about what mistakes you've made, you have to recognize what they are. Often we do not spend the time necessary to properly reflect on what we do as we go about our lives. We can have a much larger impact on those closest to us than we realize. That's where we often go wrong in the first task of teshuva. Or sometimes we know exactly what our actions were and we know how they affected those around us, but we feel like we are not really responsible. Most parents, especially if you have more than one child, have heard the phrase, it's not my fault, she made me do it, or he made me do it. If you're anything like my parents, or my big sister for that matter, your answer was direct and to the point. No one can make you do anything. When it comes to kids, the advice seems obvious, but as adults, we sometimes let ourselves off the hook when we shouldn't. We hold grudges, we act vindictively, we tell ourselves that we're acting in the name of fairness and justice when in reality, what we are doing is wrong. Sometimes we play the victim in our own minds, but even victims are responsible for their actions. As my mother would teach me, two wrongs don't make a right. Once you reflect, the next step is to repent. Repentance begins by admitting what you did wrong, out loud and to the people affected. Of course, that's not the beginning and end of the task. 
As my pop used to say, if you were really sorry, then you'd stop doing it. Whether we're apologizing to other people or to ourselves or to God, an apology is worth very little if it isn't accompanied by a change in behavior. Unwanted behaviors like bad habits can be hard to break. We don't always succeed on the first try, but if we stay at it, we can make ourselves better. After all, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. In addition to hopefully bringing comfort to the people we've harmed, an apology can end a secret. Secrets are extremely toxic in our relationships and in our souls. Apologizing can take something that happened covertly and make it public, at least public to those who are impacted. It shines a light in the darkness and has the power to bring us healing. Now, to be honest, up until this point, most of us are pretty good. We sometimes fail to admit what we've done wrong, and we sometimes fail to apologize, but most of the time we do what's right. The problem is that most of the time we stop there. We do the reflect and repent, but not the repair and rebuild. In fact, the real work is just beginning. Repair means to work to correct the damage that you've done. Sometimes that's an easier task than others. For example, if you borrow something from a friend and you break it while you're using it, replacing it should be pretty simple. How does the phrase go? You break it, you buy it. What's not so simple is repairing the trust that was lost between you and your friend. However, we sometimes cause the type of damage that can never be fully repaired. Repairing a damaged relationship between parents and children can take a lifetime. And it only works if both parent and child are sincerely committed to a change. Some betrayals of trust between loved ones might never be repaired. In time, forgiveness might be earned. Sometimes forgiveness might be given even when it's not earned. But even though a betrayal might be forgiven, that doesn't necessarily repair the damage that was done or restore the trust. Sometimes it might actually be forget, forbidden to try to repair the damage when doing so will cause someone further harm. In cases such as these, you may not be able to repay the debt to the person who you wronged, but you can repair the damage done to the world. You can work to rebuild trust in all future relationships by living a life of such integrity that you never again betray the trust of someone close to you. As my pop used to say, trust has to be earned. If someone embezzled money, they may not be able to repair all the damage that they've done in their organization, or even in some cases to repay the money that was taken but they can work to protect organizations in the future and serve the people whose money was taken. There might even be times when damage to society is assessed in a court of law. In Judaism, this principle is connected to dina de malchuta dina, or as we might say, you did the crime, now you gotta do the time. 
Jewish law dictates that part of the teshuva for illegal acts includes facing a court of law. But we're not finished yet. Even after you have reflected on your mistakes, repented for your actions, and repaired the damage that you've done, there's still one task ahead of you. The last task of teshuva is to rebuild. This is a process that begins from the inside out. The great rabbi Maimonides described it as being faced with the opportunity to make the exact same transgression, but choosing not to do so. In our lives, we acknowledge that there are systems of which we are a part and to which we contribute. Our families contain systems that are made up of relationships in them. Our businesses are made up of official and unofficial systems that get things done. When the systems in our lives fail to get things done in a moral way, we have to do the hard work of rebuilding them. Sometimes that means tough conversations with loved ones about how you speak to each other and make decisions. Sometimes that means a large corporate overhaul of policies like we've seen with companies like Facebook or Wells Fargo or Uber just this past year. If this seems like a lot of doom and gloom, don't worry, there is more good news. Teachings from Jewish tradition offer us some temperance. First are the very words from the Torah reading this morning that we heard, which was beautifully read by our students here. I believe that this line was read by Abram. Ki ha-mitzvah hazot asher anochi mitzavcha hayom. Lo niflat niflet ki mimcha. Velo rechoka ki. Surely this instruction which I enjoin upon you this day is not too baffling for you, nor is it beyond your reach. That is to say, God doesn't ask us to do anything that is beyond our abilities. God made you and knows you and understands your challenges and limitations. God knows exactly what you are capable of. The second is a quote from the Mishnah, from Rabbi Tarfon. Hu haya umer, lo alecha hamlacha ligmor, velo ata ben chorin. He used to say, it is not your responsibility to complete the work, but neither are you exempt from it. That is to say, God gives partial credit. You're allowed to fail at teshuva, so long as the effort is vigorous and sincere. Finally, there are the teachings of Rabbi Israel Salanter. He wrote that every character trait a person can possess has both a light and a dark side, that is, a meir and a keha, that empowers each of us to use even our faults as tools of teshuva. For example, somebody with a temper can direct their righteous anger toward the injustice that they see in the world. Or somebody with a strong sense of pride can protect the pride and dignity of those around them. God equipped each and every one of us with all the tools we need to reflect, repent, repair, and rebuild. I'd like to close with a story of somebody 
who used all these tools to do teshuva. His name is Frank Abagnale. Some of you might even know his story. As a young man, a teenager really, he devoted himself to a life of deception. He lied compulsively, and although he was extremely bright, he directed his brilliance toward theft and criminal activity. He invented a new type of bank fraud involving complex transfers and numerous fake identities. He ran confidence schemes, including dressing up as a security guard in front of a bank deposit location and collecting the cash earnings of local businesses to keep for himself. By the time he was caught, Frank was wanted by no fewer than 12 different nations. However, his sentence was reduced when he agreed to help the US government detect and catch frauds and con artists like himself. Eventually, he opened his own security firm that now trains banks and other financial institutions in detecting fraud and forgery. His life story was the basis for the 2002 film, Catch Me If You Can. It's also been the inspiration for a biography, a TV series, and even a Broadway musical. Frank Abagnale, although not Jewish, used the tasks of teshuva. He reflected and admitted what he had done wrong. He repented and ceased the criminal and unethical behaviors that got him locked up. He repaired the damage that he had done by paying back what he could and by repaying his debt to society. He rebuilt a world that is safer for ordinary people and less enticing for identity thieves, scammers, and fraudsters. He can never undo the damage that was done to the people who he hurt, but he has done teshuva in full, I would say. And he did it with the very tools and character traits that led him into transgression. The process of teshuva works. If you follow the tasks of reflect, repent, repair, and rebuild, you will embody the very best version of yourself. You will have the most fulfilling relationships, freedom from the burdens of excessive guilt and secrecy. You will gradually transform your greatest weaknesses into strengths. On this day each year, the fate of the world hangs in the balance, and you will know that you have done your part in the work of redemption.